I've been um, enjoying planning lessons for the kids downstairs um, about the Joseph story. Um, it's an exciting story, and there's so many fun things you can do with it. And I just, I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys tonight. So, I had a job once where I was accused of something I didn't do. My previous boss had left, and I didn't know the new boss well. One morning when I arrived, my new boss called me into his office. He was very serious and upset. He accused me of stealing cash from the office, and I was really in shock since I didn't do anything of the sort. And it turned out to be a misunderstanding. He apparently didn't understand the system for the petty cash. And once I explained, he apologized, and I went back to work. I was relieved, but I had trouble getting back to my day. I realized that I was working with someone who had no trust in me. I was working as a church secretary, and the senior pastor apparently did not trust me. Instead of asking me about how we recorded the money or where we kept the receipts, uh, he simply assumed I was stealing. In any relationship, you need a certain amount of trust. If you lose that trust, it can make a working situation impossible, and it could make a living situation even worse. Imagine if you found out that someone who was living in your house was a violent criminal. We're looking at Joseph's life again today. And a couple of weeks ago, we saw how he went from enjoying favored son status to being sold by his brothers into slavery. Today we will see how he gained the trust of his master, but then lost it through no fault of his own. I was able to have some conversations with my boss and establish a trusting relationship, but Joseph did not have that option. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word? We're going to be reading Genesis chapter 39, and that's page 28 in your pew Bibles. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him in, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. 
With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in his house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to him, to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought has come to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. It's the word of the Lord. God, I ask that you would be with us as we explore your word, that you would speak to our hearts what you want us to hear. So Joseph, he has been betrayed by his family and sold into slavery. But things are starting to look up. He gains Potiphar's trust and is put in charge of the whole household. I've heard sermons about how we should be like Joseph. We should be like Joseph because he works hard. He has integrity. He's faithful to God in an idolatrous country, even as a slave. He flees from temptation. These things seem to be true. But what does the text say specifically about Joseph? In the book of Genesis, we learn mostly through the actions of people and what they say. We don't hear much about what people are thinking. But occasionally, the narrator will make a comment specifically about someone's character or their action, and then we have to pay attention. So let's look at a couple of other men. Uh, Noah is called a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And Abraham, Joseph's great-grandfather, he believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. So what do we hear directly said about Joseph? So far we know that he is young, that he's had some dreams and been imprudent enough to share them with his brothers. We 
do learn a little more about him in the beginning of this chapter. Here it is at the end of verse 6. Joseph is well built and handsome. He's the son of Rachel, who was also praised for, his be- for her beauty. But really, that's what we hear about Joseph? Not about him working hard or praying every morning or anything like that. Given how much trust Potiphar gives to him, he must be working hard. He must have some integrity. But that's not the point of this story. This story is not really about Joseph. The story is about God. It's about the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Joseph's father, Jacob, of Isaac and Abraham, and now the God of Joseph. In verses 2 to 7, the emphasis is on what God does. The Lord is with Joseph. He made everything that Joseph did succeed. His master, Potiphar, was impressed. Even he saw something of God. He put Joseph in charge of everything, his whole household and his whole property. And God made Potiphar's house prosper also. Potiphar was captain of the guard, and he would have had a large estate, a wife, children, servants, fields where they cultivated food. And Joseph was in charge of everything. God was with Joseph. His success is because he's walking with God. This is similar to Jacob's story. Joseph's father, Jacob, prospered wherever he went because the Lord was with him. King Abimelech recognized that God was with Jacob. He took him seriously because he saw his success. And Jacob's father-in-law, Laban, doesn't want Jacob to leave. Among other things, he knows that he's experiencing success because Jacob was working for him. God was with Jacob And he is with Joseph, not because of anything that they have done, but because of his promise to their family. God is faithful to the promise he originally made to Abraham and has repeated in each generation. He is building them into a nation, a nation that will bless the world because Yahweh is their God and he is their people. Sorry, and they are his people. Jacob, we've seen. He deceived his brother and his father to get the family inheritance and blessing. He was wily in his business dealings with his father-in-law in order to protect himself. Now, Joseph does show some strength of character. Even though he's a slave, God has been with him. He's doing well, and he's in charge of all of Potiphar's house. But then Potiphar's wife takes notice of him. She notices how good-looking he is. She's very direct. She says, come to bed with me. Joseph is not in an easy position. She's the wife of Potiphar, and he is only a slave. Still, he refuses her. In verse 8, With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph is loyal to his master, who he knows trusts him. He also doesn't want to sin against God. Adultery was considered a great sin in Egypt as well, 
the punishment was usually death. But Potiphar's wife doesn't give up. Day after day, she approaches him, entices him, she harasses him. Then one day she sees her chance. She catches him alone with no other servants in the house and she grabs him. Joseph does the only thing he can do. He runs. Suddenly, Potiphar's wife notices Joseph has left his cloak in her hand. And in Hebrew, in her hand also can literally mean in her power. Just as when Joseph's brothers took his cloak back to his father, Potiphar's wife has a way to identify Joseph and to plot deception. She realizes she has a way of getting back at him for not giving in to her. So she very carefully accuses Joseph and brings him down from a position of authority in the house to one of shame. First, she brings her accusations to the servants of the house, the ones he oversees. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, she left, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. This Hebrew, she says. See, he's not one of us. He's an outsider. He's dangerous. Next, she waits for her husband to come home. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when Potiphar heard the story that his wife told him, he was angry. And he took him and he put him in prison. And one afternoon, Joseph has gone from being in charge of the whole estate to being shamed before everyone he oversaw and before his master. He is put in prison. The normal punishment would have been execution for a free person in Egypt, so Joseph probably was expecting that. Maybe Potiphar showed him some mercy because of all he had done for him. But still, Joseph is in prison through no fault of his own and despite his best efforts. This is a dark moment for him. But we see again in verse 21, the Lord is with Joseph. God is faithful still, even in this situation. He has not brought Joseph out of it, but God is with him in it. In the beginning of the chapter, God is with Joseph. He has success. It is from God. Is this what a life walking with God looks like? Success as you're serving faithfully and being rewarded for it? Yes. But then, Joseph is falsely accused and put in prison, but God is with him. Is this what a life walking with God can look like? Serving faithfully, resisting temptation, but then being accused and convicted through no fault of your own? Yes. It can be tempting to think that we can glean some kind of formula for success from the scriptures. To learn the ways to obey God and walk faithfully with him so that we can avoid pain, be healthy, gain wealth. Certainly, 
we can learn what God requires from us and how to follow him faithfully. But as we've seen in Joseph's story, this does not necessarily guarantee success or a life free from pain. And there is not a one-to-one correlation between our faithfulness and the goodness that God shows us. Thank goodness. God shows us far more goodness than we deserve. He showed his faithfulness to Joseph's father, Jacob, who had many obvious faults. He shows it to Joseph, who seems to work hard, who may be a bit arrogant, but avoids temptation and works faithfully, despite major blows in his life. Joseph experiences both great highs and great lows. Why? Because God has a bigger plan. He has a plan for Joseph that is going to include saving his people from famine and bless all of Egypt. And the whole, the, it's going to cause the survival of a whole generation of people in this area of the world. It's a great plan with far-reaching consequences. So God lets Joseph sell him into slavery. He lets Potiphar put him in prison. Then God uses this to put him in a position of great authority, as you'll see in the next chapters. What about you? Are you trying to walk with God? Are you experiencing prosperity as you do it? Can you see the hand of God in what is going well for you? Or do you maybe think it's all you? Are you missing where God is working? Or are you going through great pain? Are your finances a mess? Are you experiencing sickness or depression? Do you have a loved one who is sick or dying? Have you lost people who are important to you? Well, we are also a part of a plan, a plan that is bigger than any of us, bigger than this church, bigger than this country, encompassing thousands of years. This is God's plan to save the world, to bring people back to him, to bring healing and hope, to bring an end to injustice and suffering, to bring about a time when we all will know him and all will experience his love. God is with you just as he was with Joseph. He is with you in your prosperity and in your pain. We also are part of God's great plan. How does that make you feel? Does it encourage you? It is the gospel, the good news. But if you're like me, sometimes that can give you hope. But sometimes hearing about God's plan for the world and how I'm a part of it doesn't do it for me. Sometimes I'm discouraged and angry. See, at this point in Joseph's story, he has no idea about God's plan for him. He has no idea that there is going to be a famine or that he will meet Pharaoh. He had some dreams once, years ago. That must seem like a long time ago to him right now. At this moment, Joseph is sitting in prison. He has not become ruler over his brothers. He hasn't even been able to see his father. Now things have gone from bad to worse. And he's going to be in this prison for over two years. So maybe until this point, God's promise to his family was enough for him. God's promise to the family of Israel has sustained him. But what about now? 
Sometimes I can be inspired by God's plan for the world, thankful for what he's done for me, grateful for his forgiveness, and looking forward to a great future. But sometimes the sin, the suffering, the injustice of the world is really too much. And to watch someone I love suffer is too much. God's sovereignty, his power, his great plans can seem too abstract and far away to be of much good. There is a little word in verse 21 that means everything. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness. Kindness. The word in Hebrew is hesed. This is a word that is used often when talking about God's love in relation to his covenant with his people. It is sometimes translated as loyalty, faithfulness, loving kindness, steadfast love, unfailing kindness, mercy, or great kindness. I love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. A never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Why does this word matter so much? God is with Joseph. He shows kindness to Joseph. He is not just a pawn in all of this. In Joseph's darkest moment, God shows him kindness. He gives him what he needs. Have you experienced this kindness from God? God shows him his loving kindness. Have you experienced that, the loving kindness of God? When I was in college, my family was going through a rough time. My older brothers were addicted to alcohol and drugs, and one of my older brothers was having some serious mental health issues. There are many times that I thought I would lose him for good. It was hard for me to talk about this with people, but when I started going to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, one of the leaders, Brenda Wong, took time. She took a lot of time with me. She would show up where I was having lunch, and she would listen and listen and listen. And she said some very simple things to me about the situation. And one of them was that it must, must be hard for you, she said to me. Looking back, she was the first person to really help me see that I was having a hard time, that it wasn't just my brothers who were going through it or my mother, but I was having a really hard time with it. And she cared about me and how hard it was for me, and she showed me real kindness. This seemingly simple thing that she did for me I don't even know how much it's impacted my faith and my view of God, but it really has. God is a God of kindness. He doesn't discount our suffering. He may allow things that we don't understand. He does have a greater plan, but he cares about every one of us and shows each of us his love. God was with Joseph in the highs and lows of his life. He showed Joseph kindness in prison 
and again gave him success and put him in a position of authority, even though he was still a prisoner. This is the God who sticks with the family of Israel. This is the God who draws a nation to himself in order to bless all the nations. This is the God who came to us in the form of a man and took on our sufferings and died for us. He is risen and drawing each of us to himself. He is drawing each of us into relationship with us where he shows us his loving kindness. In Philippians 4 verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul learned, like Joseph, to live with God, to draw on the strength given to us through his son Jesus. May we all know God's kindness and love that we might follow him to the end.